And now, a Blaze Media podcast. So I'm perusing uh, new books to read this past week, and I run across a book called Very Important People, Status and Beauty in the Global Party Circuit. And nothing, uh, nothing says me more than status and beauty in the global party circuit here at Chewing the Fat. So I wanted to talk to Ashley Mears, the author, sociologist, former fashion model, Ashley Mears. Ashley, thank you for joining us on Chewing the Fat today. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to be here. So what brought this on? I mean, you interviewed 44 promoters who are paid by clubs, by clients that are wealthy to bring models in uh, that are referred to as, uh, you know, the girls to their parties. And you uh, obviously were one of the girls that were brought in to, uh, to be in the party. And I know that you were uh, embedded with them for a while. Uh, what, what brought it on? What, what, why'd you want to do that? Okay. So um, I met party promoters when I was researching the modeling industry. I went to graduate school in sociology at NYU and I worked at a modeling agency in order to study the labor dynamics of, uh, of the fashion modeling market. And okay. I would go to castings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> so I, I would go to castings, which are like, you know, the auditions. And, um, and I met these guys who were there with, with the girls of mock young young women and models are, are, are called girls in this world so um so the promoters are there with girls and they were just very charming um you know very vivacious men uh who would uh, talk to me try to get my phone number invite me for dinner so i gave my number to a couple of these guys and i started getting these text messages constantly that was like you know oi baby we're going for a sushi dinner. <laughs> like, come take it with us at the club. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of funny just to under- to see that there was like all of these, all these meals and all of these experiences that models can get for free. And the promoters are kind of the, the gatekeepers to that, this kind of, you know, upscale leisure and entertainment. Right. And um, so I was interested in it, but then I, um, I graduated from NYU, moved to Boston, like, Seven years later, um, I'm still getting text messages wow. about the sushi dinner, <laughs> and, they, and I'm like, I write back to them. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a professor now. I, I don't even live in New York, and they're like, yeah, no worries. If you ever come back into town, you know, we'll hook you up. So, want a party? <laughs> and so it was around um, it was around 2010, and it was the recovery of the economic crisis, and um, I started to see some of the expenses and the nightclubs were making headlines, you know, like bankers that were spending their uh, bonuses with huge sums on champagne that they don't even drink. And I was just really fascinated by ostentation at a time of global financial austerity. So, so basically I just, I moved back to New York and wrote back to the promoters and I was like, yeah, I'm going to come to the sushi dinner and see how it's, see what's going on. So you went, you decided to go to these parties with the thought in mind that you were going to actually, uh, you know, kind of investigate, uh, undercover what this was all about. 
Yeah, not exactly undercover. I mean, I was straight up with these promoters. I would show them a copy of my um, first book, which which was my dissertation, um, and tell them that you know I I write about markets and and consumption, and I'm really curious about how this world operates and. For the most part, they agreed to let me in to that I could interview them during the day, follow them around during the day, see how they work. And I was welcome to come hang out with them at night because um, as long as I wore my high heels and like put on a <laughs> you know, put on a decent looking dress, I would be I would be an asset to them. I mean a promoter's a promoter is paid his his job and his livelihood really depends on getting women who have a certain kind of look, you know, like fashion model standards to come with them at their tables and they, they get paid for that and so they're always hustling and trying to find girls to bring to their um tables and so here i was offering that i would i would be reliable you know to show sure. up um, uh, as often as i could one checked off the list every night no problem right. so as you were doing this what happened that you weren't expecting okay so there there was something that um just kind of jumped out at me very early on. I was really surprised um, with the way that the promoters, you know, they're they're bringing girls out and girls are getting all of these treats and dinners and, and they have all this um, kind of great things that are, are opened up for them. But I was just so surprised with the way that promoters talk about girls like, like a kind of capital or like an asset. They would talk about girls, even with the pronouns that they use, they would use terms like my girls like look at my girls and they would show their instagram pictures of like all the beautiful girls that they hang out with and they they really like girls really did function almost like a currency that promoters were able to um walk into a space surrounded by a handful of of pretty young women and they could attract notice from managers of clubs who would give them job opportunities they could attract notice um to rich men who were there buying bottles um you know who might give them the opportunity to organize a birthday party on their yacht in saint bart or something and they really kind of strategically and consciously yeah. tried to find girls become friends with girls so that they could then profit from them profit sure. from their well, isn't that what the modeling agency is doing as well yeah but the girls get paid to be models i mean they don't get paid well that was something that i i found in my first book like most people think that models are you know all celebrities and it's you know very glamorous and and lucrative and it can be but really for just a handful of people the kind of the the majority of people who enter the modeling market don't make very much money at all, or they uh, might be in debt to their agencies for a few years. Right. Um, so modeling's generally, you know, it's poorly paid and kind of the, the terms of work are not great for fashion models, but at least ostensibly it's recognized as work that should be paid. It's valuable labor that should be paid. But the girls going out with promoters, like they're enriching the promoters, they're enriching the nightclubs uh, and they don't get paid. They get, comps in the form of free drinks, free dinners, and the compliment of being included in this very sure. glamorous. So what is, well, with the, what, what do they expect out of it then? Are they hoping for, you know, one of the rich guys to sweep them off their feet and take them away? Are they hoping for, you know, the new gig? What, I mean, what, what are they hoping for overall in general? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
that's what a lot of people think. They think that this is the place where young women um, have the chance to meet a rich man and that they can, you know, get that kind of Cinderella story. Sure. Um, it was actually really surprising uh, of all of the young women that I spoke to and spent time with, there were very few of them that would actually say that that was what their intention was and wow. i actually found the opposite that they would say that this is not the place to meet a man this is the place just to have a fun experience and they talked about women who were in strategically looking for like a sugar daddy they talked about those those women really with a lot of disdain like they didn't want to be that type of strategic <laughs> woman um so yeah i mean you know a lot of women tend to be young that are going out with sure. promoters they do tend to be from the fashion modeling industry especially newcomers so they don't have that much money um they don't have their own friend networks in a place like new york which is very expensive they wouldn't know where to go some of them actually need the free meal like they're they're going to these glamorous upscale restaurants um and they they're kind of the epitome of glamour but they're actually there because they want the food so what's the deal so now? The promoters provide a place to live. They provide a meal and then you're expected to do what for that? Right. So that's a, that's a, a kind of ambiguous question that um, a lot of the young women that I spoke to also found it kind of curious when yeah. they first learned the arrangement. Like what what's, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch or a free gift. There's always some expectation of repayment. So Those what is bastards, the, I know it. I can't tell. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> right. So, um, so they're expected to go out and stay out and look good. And that's pretty much it. Um, if, uh, if a model is out with a promoter, and she takes a liking to one of the clients, the people that are buying buying bottles at these clubs. Um, you know, it, it's fine, but the promoters are not looking to gain from that. So promoters make it very clear that they're not pimps in any form, and this is not prostitution. <laughs> and indeed, like it's not a very efficient means of procuring sex, <laughs> right? Because like the lights are the lights are low, the music is loud. There's so many models that are at a right. promoter's table that it would make it just very inefficient, you know, and very difficult to try to like find someone for like for a night. Um, rather it, it, what the clients are buying and what the club is producing is a certain kind of sexiness or like a, 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 a the appearance of high status because the the fashion model connotes high status just with her very presence with that kind of body and that that kind of physique um and so yeah that's that's what's expected of them is to embody that ideal of this kind of unattainable beauty so what sets the promoters apart then uh you know obviously the girls are you know uh, uh, setting themselves apart as being you know the fashion models but what sets the promoters apart you say you know you interviewed uh, 44 separate promoters um, I mean, there's got to be a, an upper tier to the promoters as well, right? That's right. Yeah. So um, there's definitely a hierarchy of promoters. Um, it's can be, you know, somewhat on longevity. So promoters that are just starting out um, won't be in such a secure position, position as promoters who have been in the game for a long time. But the promoters that are understood to be the very best promoters, it's not just seniority. It's about the so-called quality of their girls. And people would use this term often. Um, promoters get paid the most and they get the most respect and they're in the most demand if they have a quantity of high quality girls, which means that they're surrounded by girls who are 
uh, recognizably fashion models. So they, yeah. they are um, the kind of caliber of a, of a young woman um, who doesn't just look like a model, but might actually be recognizable yeah. from, been on the, you know, already been on the runway. We've seen it. Right. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and they work with good agencies, um, and so yeah, this is like the the epitome. And but, but like everything comes down to girls in this world, or the beauty of girls, <laughs> like the status of the club, oh, how much money people are spending in it, and of course the career trajectory of the promoter. So I mean, it's a never-ending cycle, right? I mean, it does it, it continues on and on and on for uh, for years and years, and it's been going on, but. What's the most common ending for these individuals? And I mean, is it just over? We're done. We've had enough. Or do we decide, you know, that's it. I'm moving on. What's the most common ending for these girls? For the girls. Yeah. Well, the, I was going to say like, which people, it, it really depends if we're talking about men or women here because the, okay. You know, All right. The, well, well, let's the, break the, it up then. Yeah. Right now let's right. go with what's the most common ending for the girls. Yeah. Yeah. So for the girls, they grow up and they become women and women <laughs> are not as valuable in the space. I mean, it's really remarkable. I was 31, 32 when I was spending a lot of time in this world. Oh my and I was God. Also, How, like people also talk to me. Right. Like, I was a girl. I would even say that like I was a professor at a university and they're like, oh, Ashley's a smart girl. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, girls grow up, um, you know, they, they get jobs that require them to wake up early in the morning. Uh, they don't have as much freedom of their time. They get partnered. Um, so, so they're no longer interested to be right. going out like this. Um, and um, that's a story for girls. And if, if girls become older or if she were to put on weight, let's say promoters would just stop inviting her and she would be denied entry at right. the entrance of the club. Yeah. Um, so what's the ending for the guys? Yeah. For the promoters. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting for the promoters because, um, some of them have been doing this for like upwards of 20 years, which is a you know, really long time. And some of them were like in their 40s and were very aware of how unseemly it was that they were making money off of 18 year old girls and th that they were spending their days and nights kind of entertaining these young girls to profit from them. And so their goals are largely to pivot um, into becoming owners and operators of their own clubs or restaurants or bars. And they've been pretty successful at that. Like there's a number of um, really, really strong clubs and actually conglomerates that own multiple clubs and restaurants in New York and in Vegas that are owned and yeah. operated by former promoters. And they see how it works. So, I mean, they have the inside knowledge yeah. of how to make it successful, right? That's right. Yeah. A few of the promoters that I interviewed really were dreaming bigger that because they were surrounded by so many super rich men, you know, like moguls of and titans of yeah. industry, that they hoped that they would be able to use those social connections to launch themselves into business with these business elites. And that was a much less successful path. Those people, yeah, those promoters who thought that they would be you know, brokering deals among oil rich families that has yet to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's almost like the, the girl that's waiting to get swept off her feet, right? With the, with the Prince Charming, it doesn't right. really happen. It doesn't really happen. Yeah. I mean, in the case of girls, it's, you know, they also, lots of hookups happen. So there'll be short term romances, but the men that are buying tables, the rich men that I interviewed, they were pretty clear that this is the pool of hookups. This was not the pool of long term romances that they expected to find a wife here. Right. So, yeah. uh, 
what is now that we've been dealing with uh you know the lockdown and we're supposed to have social distancing and there hasn't been any clubs open how uh how, how's the underground business got <laughs> right. the dark side you know you know you know what's to tell me you're just talking to me now so um i would just say that um yeah the the pandemic has exposed something really interesting about the the job of the promoter which was such a glamorous job and had such a you know seductive lifestyle as as well as a lot of earnings a lot of the promoters that i had spoke to that were in the game for a long time they were making almost two hundred thousand dollars a year and a lot of that is cash too um but that's dried up pretty much overnight no kidding yeah and it doesn't seem likely anytime soon that that they'll be back into those roles um so yeah i mean it, it really shows that these kinds of jobs at their core because they're freelance i mean these are contract workers for clubs just how vulnerable and precarious they are much like fashion models themselves the the promoters are really suffering with a you know dry up of work um i mean we're seeing yeah. that we're seeing that uh, you know all over the world all over. let alone all over right. america with uh, you know the the uh, you know the the free market uh was out there working on their own but uh, not anymore uh, very hard yeah yeah, and all the things that promoters really loved about their job, right? Like the lifestyle, the the yeah. travel, the freedom and the flexibility and one day is never the same. Like all those great things that that are defined so many jobs in like culture industries or entertainment industries are also like the flip side is that if you have that much freedom, then you're also going to suffer all yeah. of the market risks on your so own. So you dodged my question though about the underground parties and <laughs> I want to know where they at. I want to know where they were at and what's happening and are they still going on? Yeah. So, um, I expect that there will still be, um, quite a lot of partying that happens on a much smaller and more private scale. Uh, We're talking with Ashley Mears, uh, author of a very important people status and beauty in the global party circuit. Okay, Ashley. And I appreciate you coming on chewing the fat today. It's just fascinating to me how, uh, you know, that lifestyle and that gathering, what, uh, what was the, the most fun thing that you learned as you went through all this and you thought, wow, you know, I could really see how the, why this works and, and what's good about it. If any. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to describe it and you're going to think that it's gross or your listeners will probably think that it's gross. So um, I was out at a club in Miami during the um, the Ultra Music Festival and there was a, there was a guy who spent about $200,000 uh, in a span of about two hours just on oh. bottles of champagne that he didn't even drink. And none of us could drink the champagne. So we, we were kind of ended up, he ended up gifting all of these bottles of Dom Perignon champagne. Um, and at one point, people were just holding bottles like by the neck, not even like, I don't even know, the glasses disappeared. People were just drinking from like their from own the bottles, bottle. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, yeah, it was just really a fascinating kind of display of, of excess. Yeah. And at the time, I also was kind of, I was disgusted by it, you know, but at the same time, it was also something like very exuberant and everybody really had this kind of pleasure and delight in it, that it, it was difficult right. not to feel the excitement while also feeling the disgust. I guess that was a surprising thing, this like conflicted dual feeling. Yeah. So what's next, Ashley? What do you? What do you? Where are you? Where are you embedded now that uh, you can tell us? So, um, 
I'd like to continue on these questions of uh, what's the value of beauty for women and how can they convert it in different markets. And I'm turning my attention now to the marriage market. Um, I'm very curious about romantic exchanges we could loosely described as the trophy wife (laughs) and other forms of strategic romance, like sugar babies, groupies, and so on. Interesting. That'd be fascinating to hear because I, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, for a lot of people, you know, their husband or wife is, uh, you know, they see them as this, uh, trophy person, right? I mean, if you're really in love with someone, that's who you see. It's not, you know, you, yeah, you like to see the movie star on the, on the television or on the movie screen, but that's not, I mean, your husband is or wife is who you really see, right? I mean, you right. hope that's the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a really strong kind of moral prohibition against marrying for money. And so whenever there's economic inequality in a relationship, it probably raises these suspicions or this possible stigma that then couples have to negotiate around, I think. Right. It's still in yeah. a... Ashley Mears, I, I appreciate it very much. There's no question about that. I look forward to... Uh, uh, to yeah. finding out what happened. Uh, this book, however, very important people, status and beauty in the global party circuit. Now, is it also a picture book? I mean, do I get some pictures in this thing? <laughs> this is very funny. My mom, actually, when she got her copy, that was the first thing she said, where are the pictures? <laughs> Thank you. <That's laughs> so the answer is no. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ashley Mears joining us on Chewing the Fat. Very important people, status and beauty of the global party circuit. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat, with yours truly. And if you type in yours truly, it's not going to be this podcast. It's going to be someone else. So Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Subscribe to this podcast and you'll be alerted whenever a show uploads each and every day. You know what? Well, I'm getting tired. You need to stop stealing other people's quote. Can you go back and say the whole yours truly, please? Can you go back and say that? Because you forgot to give credit Oh, the person that says that all the time. <laughs> You're so making me mad right now. So can you please start all over again? Do you know how it? many times? lines and phrases from this show get used on other shows that's not my problem because i'm not the producer for those shows so those producers are failing that show but i want my show to be with the t's cross and the i dotted so please say that quote one more time so that i could give proper credit remember to subscribe to chewing the fat uh, this podcast uh, for sure with uh, yours truly <laughs> and of simpson. course if you uh oj simpson well as i said if you typed in yours truly you'd get another podcast so you know you want to type in chewing the fat and then you know of course with jeff fisher but that oj simpson should have a podcast called yours truly i'm telling you man you need to stop stealing other people's quotes (laughs) And be original. Should be his podcast, man. Oh, that's a oh, that's absolutely because he starts every video. Yours truly. So I apologize. You're right. I apologize. So subscribe to Chewing the Fat with me. I swear to God, if you give me another name, I'm going to punch you right in the face. Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Thank you. Be a subscriber. Have a great weekend.
or, you know, a week or whenever you're listening to this, have a great time after any time in the your life. <laughs>